Welcome to KIOS at the Movies. I'm Joshua LeBure, and I'm here with Diana Martinez and Patrick Kinney from Film Screens. Hey there. Hi. And today we're talking about the film, The Planters. I'm Martha Plant. I bury treasure for the lucky person who gets to it first. Every time, without a doubt, they compensate me in cash. We never meet, but we both win. Eureka! It's the highlight of my day. Today, I had my first lunch guest. Are those your grandparents? They're my parents. You can have your mom's cheeks. I'm adopted. Oh. I was left in a trash can. She's very weird. I sell air conditioning units. That sounds like fun. Pull your stuff off a cliff. It's not. Whatever happens out here is between you and me. I like it. You have different people living inside of you. I'm Angie. Where is Sadie? Who's Sadie? Sadie leaves when she's feeling bad. I think I'm receiving information. I think you're hallucinating. The Planters is an absurdist comedy in the spirit of Wes Anderson and Jared Hess by first-time feature filmmakers Alexandra Kocheff and Hannah Letter, shot entirely without a crew. The film features beautiful desert landscapes, offbeat characters, dry, dark humor that harkens back to a simpler time with quirky, independent films that I didn't realize I was missing. The Planters was an experiment to see how little crew you can have and still make an interesting film, and I will say that it was successful. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of what you said makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I do wonder, like, if this had come out in the height of the indie quirk com uh, era, if it would have been a hit. Like, I could see this living next to Napoleon Dynamite or mm-hmm. Little Miss Sunshine or something like that. Mm-hmm. I like the film. thought it was good. I, I mean, I don't think you... You don't watch the film and you do not think that this is made with any less resources than any other independent film you might watch. Um, Yeah, I think in terms of, I mean, it's a short film in terms of the economy of the film. um, You know, it's a pretty tight narrative, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. Like, I think it's doing, you know, it really is harkening back to a time Mm -hmm. and it's, doing comedy in a way that, you know, maybe isn't so in vogue right now. And it kind of like depends as to whether, yeah, you feel like you uh, have been missing that or whether you're just like, is this just like a relic from, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's 15 years ago. <laughs> it almost, yeah. 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 It, it, 15 for sure. It mm-hmm. does feel almost like a, a set piece or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was at the perfect age where the films Napoleon Dynamite, Mm -hmm. where, you know, everyone was trying to do Wes Anderson, but not quite as good as Wes Anderson. Um, That was like what indie film was pretty Mm -hmm. much at the time. It was either that or like incredibly heavy, dark, you know, dramas. Mm -hmm. And there was something nostalgic about this film for me because of that. Um, But with like slightly different uh, storyline because it's not, you know, most of those films are generally about more privileged people and, like, especially in, like, Wes Anderson films, they're always, like, rich white dudes uh, Mm -hmm. going through some 
weird stuff. I liked this one because it, it kind of took that formula and made it a movie about um, two kind of outcasted women um, who are friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. apparently the two actors who directed the film together, they you know, mostly did it without a crew. So a lot of times when only one of them is on screen, the other one is actually behind the camera. And a lot of times when they're both in the scene, the camera is just sitting there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, the anxiety. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> I couldn't. I will say, I saw a, a production still. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a, a still of the production of them, like, making it. And absolutely, one of them is in her costume holding a, like, light board mm-hmm. uh, to get the light better on the other who's in front of the camera. Uh, and it was... Uh, just so heartwarming. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I really, I really love that. It, that's it's a, so homemade. And apparently, they've been friends since they were like three years old. Mm. The two people who made the film yeah. together and starring it together, and I think that that really comes across because mm-hmm. it really is a film about friendship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's makes sense that it's two people who understood each other's sensibilities so much because uh, it is very particular. It is. It doesn't feel like uh, a movie that made many compromises at all. I mean, there's some things that, like, if there was input, and maybe we'll get to this, may not have happened at all. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I also just don't want to make it sound like this is something that appears that it was uh, done with, like... Right. It it looks good. If I didn't know Mm -hmm. the story before it, um, or if I didn't stick around to... After the credits, I would not have known for yeah, sure. Yeah. I would have just been like, okay, they're making a deliberate decision to like have a lot of still shots because a lot of those films did. Like a lot of Napoleon mm-hmm. Dynamite is just a camera sitting there and somebody walks into frame and something weird happens and it's funny and, and yeah. it moves on. And that's very much what this film does. And I think for you know what people are talking about right now in terms of like what happens to filmmaking in the mm-hmm. age of COVID... Mm-hmm. Like, I think this film shows you exactly what is achievable with two person, two persons, Yeah. no actors, screenwriters, directors, you know, and all the other positions on the crew. Like it can be done. And I think like independent filmmaking, honestly, to me, like just seems the most viable right now because Mm -hmm. movies like this can happen, Mm -hmm. you know, whether we're going to get a hundred million plus movies made or that'll recoup how much they make probably not but like it's it's in these kind of like really small projects that i think like filmmaking can thrive and that you can still do world building too on such Mm -hmm. like a small uh budget Mm -hmm. and with uh so few resources like there really is world building and that's a good way to that's a good thing to point out yeah it's not just you know huge marvel movies i mean you can really make a convincing little world yeah, yeah. style is style mm-hmm. yeah. like and and it you it know, does have style you oh absolutely yeah. do do what you can with it and i think that the you know wes anderson napoleon dynamite um comparisons are like fully justified uh but it, it, it's also working within what is now kind of like an established mode mm-hmm. of like acting and aesthetics a color palette mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like I mean, like I, shooting I, style. Yeah, I mean, I liked seeing that kind of style kind of come back a little bit, but with different people, mm. you know, where mm-hmm. you're actually getting a different type of story. Yeah. And, um, and going back to what you were saying about, you know, I think one of the, 
biggest problems like when I was in film school or whatever and people come out and they want to make their first film everybody's like I need a hundred grand to do this and and this mm-hmm. is like really like if you write a story that works for just making it with your friends with a few people especially now in these corona times you know you can make a really good film nowadays. I mean, we just had the iPhone 12 release with <laughs> that. Right. The, with, with, uh, it now has like HDR and, uh, it has a bigger sensor now and, and, and yeah, you the can footage do coming Dolby from digital it. Yeah. on your you iPhone. You can do Do- Dolby vision with your <laughs> iPhone now. And it still looks kind of like an iPhone, but the $6,000 cameras we were shooting when I was in film school, the digital cameras couldn't even, come close to competing what you can do with like a phone now and so just that's like inspiring to me and that's what has always inspired me about film is when you know someone can take the resources that they have and just make something mm-hmm. it's exciting and you can make something good you know yeah i mean we have that's the a, we have the romantic view of the kevin smiths and the yeah and the rebel without a crew with uh el mariachi and yeah and you know those people and now this is like a new generation we had the mumble core and this is even this is better than that in my yeah. opinion yeah and I, I think that is important to say that like it has to, it, it is people have to be good. <laughs> it has to be good and it's people who have yeah. a specific creative vision like the actresses are not bad actors like they're no, good no, actors you know so like this is as low budget as this is, it still isn't a student film. Like it has the polish of filmmakers who should be given, you know, a $50 million mm-hmm. budget um, to make their own films. And I think that that, um, it's those filmmakers, I think, who will thrive, right? The ones who are like, I'm going to use these cheap resources because that's what I have right now. Um, and look how good I am. And look how good I am. And I will maximize your money, yeah. studio, if you just give me like yeah. a few million. I mean, even yes. taking the Wes Anderson model, you go back right. to Bottle Rocket and... Yeah, he was not Wes Anderson. No. Right, yeah. He had a style with his camera. He mm-hmm. had a style with the acting and the way the story was told. And then Rushmore was a little bit more in that world. But yeah. whenever he had the budget of of a Life Aquatic, Darjeeling Limited, mm-hmm. the Grand Budapest Hotel, like when he has the budget, he can build right. something mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah, yeah. feels yeah. otherworldly. It feels very singular. And if you can give more people that opportunity, it's it's more interesting filmmaking to me. Yeah, and you get a sense here that these are filmmakers with something to say mm-hmm. when when like a particular point of view and an aesthetic. Well, we should talk a little bit about what the story is about as well. Mm-hmm. So about Martha, she is what she does is she buys like interesting things and then she uh, buries them in the desert and then leaves directions for people to go find the thing and then they can leave her money or another thing or, or whatever. And she's a planter. Yeah. She is a planter <laughs> and she randomly meets this, which is the one problematic part of the film where she does meet this uh, girl who escapes from a mental hospital and she has multiple personalities disorder. And we know that there's like a problem with the way films depict that often. And that could be the case in this one as well. But it goes from there as far as like Martha kind of learning how to become friends and learning how to do this telemarketing gig that she's doing mm-hmm. through this other person, Emma. And I don't know. I just thought it was, it was really nice. <laughs> yeah. It again though, does feel like something that I would expect to see like 15 years ago 
where it's like, well, we don't know much about, and again, I could be wrong about this. Maybe this is like a very well-researched film, but it felt like a time when people used to say like, well, we don't know much about this, but it sounds like an interesting plot point, like multiple mm-hmm. personality disorder or like, let's say Little Miss Sunshine, another quirky comedy, uh, like drug addiction, the grandpa's heroin mm-hmm. addiction or something where it's like, we don't really, it doesn't know, like it feels more like, the writers, the filmmakers aren't interested in like necessarily the truth or reality of what the experience of having those things is or, uh, or living with those things is, but more in what they can do for their plot. Mm-hmm. I think in a way where the film ends up, right? I think it's slightly a cop out the multiple mm. personality disorder as opposed to just like writing a character who is, you Difficult. know, do duplicitous and difficult and uh, complex, uh, like just as a person. (laughs) Um, Something's happened that like, you know, has nothing to do with with mental illness really, but Mm -hmm. here are chalked up to that. Um, So it would have been interesting to see, you know, in in 2020 what a studio input would be <laughs> you know yeah, you yeah. can't you can't do that and that's, this is yeah that's just what i'm talking about yeah. where it's like if it this was made by a committee if there was if there was somebody like supervising or producing this like they probably would have said like mm, i don't know <laughs> yeah uh in in this day in these days i will commend her for for creating three really interesting characters and doing mm-hmm. it really well like the one actor with the three people she mm-hmm. had to play. Um, She's a f- good actor. Yeah, and at she first is. I thought Sadie, the main, her main personality, I was like, uh, I don't know if I can deal with this because she's very <laughs> annoying. Yeah, so there's but I be I really came right. to like love her and understand her uh, th- like through the film and her, you know, struggles with the things she's seeing and you know i should say there is this like she looks in these tens and and sees these like claymation worlds you know mm-hmm. and a lot of like religious iconography but there's this kind of like um preoccupation she has with death and drowning as the film goes along you know i really feel like i fell in love with that character more and more and really started to care for her, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty, it's hard to do that mm-hmm. in a really small film like this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the actors did an incredible job. Mm-hmm. All of them really. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, contradict myself now. <laughs> do it. I'm going to contradict myself now. As much as I enjoyed this film as it was, I think I would have been intrigued as to what Martha's characters would have been like if she had been like more emotive. Mm -hmm. And I understand that it's a style and I understand that it has something to do with her character, but it also does feel like this relic of like a, like a deadpan, you know, monotone delivery of Napoleon dynamite that I'm just like, well, what if she was not this, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, what if it was some other kind of person who had this other person to play off of? Like, it just kind of felt like I wanted the character to do more in relation to this other 
actor and this character that's like doing so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think really like carrying the film and carrying the narrative, like literally, you know, hand holding Martha to another place in her life. Um, and I don't know if you actually get at the very end, or for me, I don't know if I actually got like a satisfying growth because it felt like so dependent upon this other person who is sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and you know that this, you know, Martha's a lonely woman. She has no family. And you just kind of like get the sense that like, not yeah. going to change <laughs> like you know she's just creating other you know more difficult or i don't know yeah. sad sad situations for herself <laughs> like if this is yeah. a real world you know because it's also a world that's not you know unlike uh you know wes anderson's world or whatever like it is one where like real where bad things happen yes um like I this mean, is not a rosy i space. mean for all we talk about Wes Anderson and the stilted performances and stuff. The reason why his films are so good is because he transcends that a lot of times and has these real emotional moments, especially when I think about like Royal Tenenbaums, which I think is like peak, like peak Wes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's like these really powerful moments in that film that are, Mm -hmm. you know, like very emotional, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but mostly I just thought this movie was fun. (laughs) <laughs> and it was funny and it, it was fun. it was nice to see and it felt refreshing mm-hmm. for the moment that we're in and the story behind how the film was made i think is an important part of it for me mm-hmm. and i think th- these are filmmakers to watch for sure and i'd love to see them performing too both yeah. of them uh I'd, l- I'd like to see them in front and behind the camera more so what are our film pairings this week so I would pair this with a movie that I saw recently that has not come out yet. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope people do get to see it uh, in the near future. It's called Limbo. Uh, it was at the Toronto International Film Festival. It is, I picked it because it's very Wes Anderson-y in the way that we've been talking, but it is, um, it could not be more different. It's set in like Northern Scotland, I wanna say. It's in the UK somewhere in a rural area and it deals with uh, refugees who are waiting to find out if they've been granted asylum into the UK. And so they're staying in this community way out in the middle of the country. And they just, it's kind of a hangout movie and they get to do, it's like offbeat comedy, long shots, uh, very composed places um, and sets. Um, and it reminded me a lot of that sensibility, uh, though the plot and uh, the, you know, the content couldn't be much more different. But yeah, Limbo. My recommendation is, I mean, we've been talking about it this whole time. People should just watch Napoleon Dynamite. And I think, so like, I feel like that is a film that has somehow exploded beyond the actual just like film object itself. Like it's so within pop culture now so I think it's always nice to go back to those films and kind of like think of like this is where it all kind of started right like it is a genre it's a form of filmmaking um and I just think it's a it's a nice little uh, time capsule to look back on and and it really I think was the turning point at, that really defines uh, a kind of generational humor of millennials 
um, that like you can really see like this is not something that generations before understand and it's not what young kids today understand like they it's very not. of its time um, but I think it says a lot about you know the way that an entire generation like deals with things and uses humor to cover it up and uses sarcasm and insults <laughs> like all of these things I, it's just yeah go back and watch it you don't want to but you should I'll say I, I did not see it when it came out because I was maybe just a touch too old or I felt I was. Mm -hmm. I was already I was already a Wes Anderson guy. So all I knew about Napoleon Dynamite was that I my conception of it was that it was like Wes Anderson light. Mm. And so I didn't want to watch it for snobby reasons and then did within like the last year. It's good. You should watch it, if See, you, especially think, if you haven't. Like, I think Napoleon Dynamite, to me, like, if I have to choose between Wes Anderson or, uh, like, Napoleon Dynamite as an analog to the planters, I'm choosing Napoleon Dynamite because it has that kind of, yeah. like, uh, that mundane quality mm -hmm. to it. Because mm -hmm. I think what's interesting about Wes Anderson's movies is that they're actually they're doing an inversion, right? That they're in these really beautiful spaces mm -hmm. or these really exaggerated spaces and, and it's the performances that kind of ground it. Mm -hmm. But here you have like banality on top of banality, which right. I think is what Napoleon Dynamite is. Like and there's no, there's world building, but there's nothing like fantastic sure. or, um, you know, sumptuously beautiful like about like the planters. It's, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also like the Jared Hess isn't doing Ferrari commercials, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'd see it. Um, and also what you pointed out by just like the, like the camera style, like you're, you absolutely nailed it. People are walking in and out of frame and delivering what they're there to do. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. That's Napoleon Dynamite. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my mother-in-law loves Napoleon Dynamite. I just found this out like two weeks ago. So, <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite snow we globes every holiday season from now on. Yep. <laughs> I also love Napoleon Dynamite, and I feel like I want to rewatch it now. Uh, so my film pairing is Split by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Um, I did write that, and then I wrote Joke by it. <laughs> no, my real, my real pick is uh, Booksmart by Olivia Wilde. It's yes. very different sensibility, but it's also a very funny film about two women that are friends much more grounded in reality but super hilarious <laughs> i don't have much else to say about it book smart is just great it's a great film watch it there's also dolls that come to life in it that's yeah, true are. yeah that's true mm -hmm. it is truly one of the funniest movies of the last yeah, five years. absolutely mm -hmm. yeah the planters is available on film streams at home for kios i'm joshua labure film streams i'm diana martinez and for film streams i'm patrick kinney